The Denver Broncos host the Los Angeles Chargers this weekend at Empower Field at Mile High. And to preview all the action, we're joined by Locked On Chargers host Daniel Wade in a crossover episode, a very special early crossover. Locked On Broncos, Locked On Chargers, you get that and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked On Broncos. You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is a very special crossover episode all across the Locked On NFL Network here on Thanksgiving week. The Denver Broncos get ready to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. And to be able to break down this matchup, Sarah Benger, myself, Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos are joined by Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers. Dan, thank you so much for joining us here today, my man. Always excited to talk Broncos Chargers football with you every single year. I always look forward to this. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a close game, too, right, as we kind of see it right now. And with the Chargers, it's kind of all they do is play in these close games. But anything inside the division, anything inside the AFC West, anything inside the AFC this year has been almost impossible to predict. It's been such a wild conference and a wild division where, you know, even the Broncos right now are sitting like a game and a half out of first place. So, like, even though there's been a lot of weird games, not a lot of separation in that group, and I expect another close one this weekend. Definitely, definitely exciting, and it's going to be fun to see how different these two teams look. I mean, last season, it was a completely different Denver Broncos team led by Drew Locke and a number of really big injuries on both sides of the ball this season. Broncos a little bit healthier. The Chargers a little bit healthier. We might get to see some Derwin James, maybe some Chris Harris Jr. coming back to Denver in this game. So uh, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I can't wait to see what goes down. And man, I mean, the, the Chargers, I watched that Sunday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and I was sitting there thinking, man, I can't believe this is about to happen after all that we just saw for <laughs> three plus quarters. But uh, I'm sure that had you just, just ripping hair out of your head and, and just driving you nuts at how could this possibly be happening but excited to see this this matchup coming off the broncos bye week for sure yeah i mean there's a point in that game like how do i even get the guys to record a show on this tonight you know what i mean like after such a brutal showing for them in the fourth quarter i mean the defense took a lot of heat obviously 27 points given up but obviously some pretty adverse field position they were put up against but that was just one of those games where like the Chargers fans have seen it too many times like a game go like that I mean we're one season removed from the Chargers blowing four consecutive 16 point or greater leads so like that's not anything new for the Chargers fans but I would say that like one thing with this team is like can you give them an easy Sunday right it's a banged up Pittsburgh team everything's going right for you offensively and you still can't you know, find that killer instinct early enough, right, to at least, you know, lower the blood pressure for Chargers fans. But obviously, you come away with the win. You got them up with a big defensive stand late in the game. You get the go-ahead touchdown from Herbert to Mike Williams, the fifth of the season already in the fourth quarter between that duo NFL record already, which seems wild. And obviously, you have crazy games all season that have led to that. But, I mean, Chargers fans will take the win, but obviously, it's never easy with the Chargers, which is why, you know, even in games that they should win, you can never feel too strongly about it. This game, I don't feel as good about. I mean, I think the Broncos have a better rushing attack, and we'll get into that later. But that game, obviously, in the AFC, you take the win and you move on when you have, you know, the Bengals losing to the Jets and the you know Bills losing to the Jaguars and things like that. It's like, all right, a win is a win. Get out of there. Move on to the Broncos. 
Well, speaking of that, too, I, I really wanted to highlight Justin Herbert's performance on Sunday. I mean, 90 yards rushing for a guy that nobody thought would have 90 yards rushing ever in a game, not to mention his output from a throwing standpoint, connecting with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, as I mentioned, in that fourth quarter. What has been the story so far, Daniel, here, of this Los Angeles Chargers football team? Because I think if anybody who hasn't been watching them, they're going to go back and they're going to look at games that they've won. They're going to look at games that they've lost by, you know, three points or less. And they're trying to figure out what is this Chargers football team exactly? In your opinion, we want to hear, I know Broncos fans want to hear it from a Chargers expert. What is the story of this Chargers team so far here in 2021? I mean, I think the story has to just be consistency. And I know that Broncos fans probably feel that as well. You know, when you blow out the Cowboys and then have that game against the Eagles, like you're just looking for some sort of consistency. So as good as the Chargers have looked at their peak, Obviously, the downside of that, there's been plenty of other games where they haven't looked as good. And you look at the Ravens game, the Patriots game, where the offense has really struggled. But I think that's the biggest thing because the defense for the Chargers has been up and down all year. And I would say more leaning towards bad in most cases, right? I mean, their offense is really their bread and butter. I think they're third in DVOA right now in total offense. So, like, when the offense is going good, it can cover up a lot of the flaws they have defensively. But when the offense goes through droughts like we've seen in games like against the Minnesota Vikings, against the Patriots, against the Baltimore Ravens, that's when the Chargers get in trouble. I mean, it seems like when the offense is rolling, things will get figured out towards the end of the game if they can keep scoring. But when you go six drives with three points put up on the board, that's just something this team hasn't been able to overcome. When you look at the losses, that's been the story of those losses is offensive droughts. It's like they haven't really lost any of the shootouts that they've gone into against the Chiefs, against the Browns, last week against the Steelers. When they've gotten into the shootouts, they've actually done pretty well. It's the lower-scoring games in the 20s where the offense is going through these droughts that they haven't been able to come away with the games because they just can't ask to win a gutsy defensive performance. That's just not what this team has been, especially because the special teams has been poor as well. Dustin Hopkins has been a big boost for them, made all of his field goals, missed only one PAT so far. But you have the blocked punt last week. I mean, that's where that game started spiraling. I mean, that was the common note the Chargers fans can find in a lot of the bad losses over the last few years is that one moment. And last week, it was a block punt, sets them up on the three-yard line, touchdown cuts it from a 14-point game to a seven-point game. So for the Chargers, I think their identity is really their offense with the skill players they have with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. If the offense is going good, the Chargers have been good. But I just don't think that the team defensively right now that can rely on, okay, hey, we're going to go win a 17-14 to 14 game, a 20-16 to 16 game. That's just not the identity of this team. Boy, I, I'm sure Broncos fans hearing that get a little excited, <laughs> at least, uh, hearing that it doesn't take necessarily a shootout to beat the Chargers. Uh, and, and certainly we resonate with the special teams issues. That has definitely yeah. been a common theme for years for the Denver Broncos. I'm interested to know kind of what's the approval rating right now? What's the initial impressions with – Brandon Staley as the head coach a couple years ago you know Broncos fans probably had no clue who's Brandon Staley going to be the D coordinator of the LA Rams you know he's just this assistant coach uh, under Vic Fangio then he you know leads the Rams and they have the number one defense in the NFL and the Chargers hire him as their head coach and all of a sudden everybody's like wait what what did we let go here what's the approval rating of Brandon Staley you know kind of into his rookie NFL head coaching season and and how how has he been received and how, how are things different I suppose between him and Anthony Lynn thus far yeah I mean a lot of differences I would say first of all between him and Anthony Lynn I mean Anthony Lynn was the leader of men type of you know coach obviously former running back 
had some ties as an offensive coordinator, but that wasn't really what his bread and butter was. He was there to kind of change the culture, move the Chargers into Los Angeles, to be a calming force among some turbulent waters. And I think last year he did a good job of that, especially when some off the field things were happening. You know, he was the guy that was giving the players the voice and did a lot of good things in that aspect. That being said, I mean, Brandon Staley is pretty much the polar opposite of him analytically, right? As far as going forward on fourth down, as far as what they're doing on those fourth down plays, Brandon Staley has been widely accepted. I mean, if you want to talk Joe Lombardi until last week, the offensive coordinator wasn't as, you know, raved about in charger circles, but I think everyone's still pretty much on the Brandon Staley train. I mean, his opening press conference bought a lot of people in. I mean, he just got up on the podium. He's so transparent. It just doesn't sound like what you hear from a lot of NFL coaches who are keeping things close to the vest and giving cliche answers. Like he's up there saying, you know, genuinely how he feels. At least that's how he comes off, which I think is good for the fans, better for the players, because that's one of the things that the players have all talked about. Hey, you get a guy who comes in here, you're going to know really quickly if they don't know what they're talking about, right? Or if they're just feeding you some BS, blah, blah, blah. And like, that's so true. Like players really respect guys who they think actually know what they're doing and give them a better chance to win or you know have their best interest at heart. But I think Brandon Steele, I think the one thing you could look at it critically and say is, all right, well, you are the defensive mastermind, right? And it's not like, this has been a world-beating defense. So I think if there was something to take away from him, it would probably be that, especially given the fact that you do have Derwin James and you do have Joey Bosa, which you can't say for all of the years with Gus Bradley, right, under the, the former regime. And, like, if you have those two guys out there, no matter what else is out there, obviously a lot of factors there, but, like, you should be able to make it work. You should be able to come up with something to really, you know, make this at least a formidable defense. And so far – it really hasn't been that for long stretches. So I think that would be the one knock. But as far as buying from the fans, buying from the Chargers players, I think he's definitely done that in spades. I mean, I've definitely been impressed with him in wins and in losses, just the way he kind of reacts to it, the way the players react to him when they're winning games. I think he's been a really good hire for the Chargers. Obviously, it's way too soon to tell at this point, but I really like what he's been able to do so far. Well, and speaking of that too, Dan's going to flip the script here in just a moment, ask Sarah and I some questions about the Broncos, but he mentioned something about buy-in, and that's a perfect segue to tell you about today's crossover sponsor. It's our good friends over there, betonline.ag, and it's Thanksgiving week, and we all know what that means. It means football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting, and BetOnline has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all things sports action this Thanksgiving. You can head to the website or the updated desktop, and you can check it out, betonline.ag today and you can sign up and when you sign up make sure you use promo code lockdown that's going to get you a 50 percent welcome deposit bonus say once again promo code lockdown get you a 50 percent welcome deposit bonus say and it's not just football it's basketball it's boxing ufc mma action and your favorite vegas casino games so don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action bet online we're stuffed with deals this thanksgiving all right, guys, well, back here with this at Lockdown Chargers, Lockdown Broncos crossover in a week where it's Thanksgiving, right? Shortened week. We're obviously doing the show a little earlier than we normally would, but I think there's a lot of things that for this game we can really pick apart and kind of see how it might play out going into Sunday, given the strengths and weaknesses of these teams so far. So first of all, I think the biggest thing, I mean, if I were the Broncos, I mean, I'm always looking at it as like, all right, what am I afraid that the Broncos are going to expose, right? And I think for this game, 
it's the Broncos running attack. I mean, Javante Williams, my favorite running back coming out of the draft, and that's, you know, including Najee Harris. I like both of them, but, I mean, I just love the way that dude plays. And, obviously, a guy that Chargers fans are very familiar with, with Melvin Gordon. So, Cody, obviously, their rushing attack has been better than the Steelers. So, it's hard to take a lot of wins away, especially with how that game played out. Oh, you know, the Chargers run defense is a lot better in that game. And, obviously, now we know this week, Limbaugh Joseph, the anchor for the Chargers defensive interior, will miss this game with COVID-19. So that's going to be a big loss for the Chargers. But obviously the Broncos have been a team where it's not just about the running attack, right? It also has to do with Teddy Bridgewater. So when you're looking at this game, do you think it's more important for the Broncos to have a dominant rushing performance? Or do you think it's more important that Teddy Bridgewater just makes the key plays down the stretch to not lose the game or go win the game for the Broncos? Well, you know, we've been a big believer here on this podcast of saying run Broncos run with both (laughs) Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams because when the Broncos have a rushing rhythm with those two guys, it works, but then they go away from it. And a lot of it is when they go away from it, they do exactly what you're talking about with Teddy Bridgewater. Try not to make the mistake that loses the game, but it's not efficient enough for the Broncos because they face a lot of third down situations. They're one of the poorest teams in terms of third, uh, third down conversion to a first down in the National Football League against the Eagles just about a week and a half ago. Denver was one for 11 on third down, and a lot of that was equated due to them not running the football. They would pass it a lot on third down, and when obviously you're facing third and medium, third and long, you're not going to run the football that well. So that was something I think is a little bit frustrating for Broncos fans, and we've been talking about on the podcast. You have Cortland Sun, Tim Patrick, two guys who just got a massive contract extension, are downfield threats, and you're not targeting those guys. And I think that's a little bit of an issue here. So uh, I, for me personally in this game, I want the Broncos to run the football with Melvin Gordon, Javante Owens. And look, I would love for them to open up the game with Teddy Bridgewater taking a shot deep downfield for Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton fresh off the contract. But, you know, what we've seen so far in film, we may not see that. So run the football with these guys because it has proven to be effective. And we firmly believe here, and I think I, I feel comfortable speaking for Sarah, that the Broncos' offensive identity should be to run the football first. And you have these workhorses, these guys that make plays. Now, you do have to do a better job of holding on to the ball. They've each had a couple of fumbles this season, uh, and that's been a little bit of an issue in the last couple of weeks. But for the most part, they've done a really good job running the ball. I got to go with that. Yeah, and it seems like the Omni's thing in the Chargers' run defense even missing a lot of guys last year has looked at least improved. The last four games have only allowed 3.7 yards per carry, which when you were allowing, you know, over six <laughs> the first few games of the season, you'll take whatever you can get. But I do like that transition there with those wide receivers because obviously the Broncos locked up a very young, very exciting wide receiving core. Obviously, they got Tim Patrick signed to an extension right after they get Corlin Sutton on the extension. And now you lock up the core of those guys and KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, which is a really, really nice young core. I mean, all guys I'm pretty big fans of, especially Tim Patrick, unsung hero, I would say, for that team in a lot of ways. Whenever I watch the Broncos, I feel like he's making plays for them. But this is a very exciting division already. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Justin Herbert Sayer. I've seen Cody's thoughts on this, but that looks like an intentional ploy by a new GM. Like, hey, we got the weapons ready to go, and this is not meant to disparage Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke in, Drew Locke in any way, but... Do you think this is something, a clear bat signal being put out there that they're trying to bring in a big-time quarterback this offseason to make this an even more loaded AFC West? Yeah, I definitely do think so. Um, I don't know what exactly George Payton might have up his sleeve. You know, we had all those rumors on draft night about Aaron Rodgers, and there was rumors about, you know, the Broncos maybe made an offer or at least checked into the price pretty, pretty seriously about Matthew Stafford and, 
they're, they've been connected to just about every quarterback since Peyton Manning retired, right? Even Tony yeah. Romo before he accepted the job with CBS. I mean, there was a great era of when t- uh, Tony Romo was a Denver Broncos quarterback in all of our minds. So, but I do think that that's definitely going to be the route they go. You know, George Payton has has talked about the fact that he's using John Elway this year as really a sounding board. And, and I think that you're seeing a bit of just that transition from, you know, George Payton taking the mantle from John Elway, re-signing a few of the best moves that John Elway has made in the post-Payton Manning era, Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris, and obviously now the two receivers. But one of John Elway's big-time calling cards was he was always interested in those veteran QBs, ironically, up until the year that Tom Brady became available. So I, I think that it's definitely something that I think Elway is going to be, if, if he leaves Peyton with anything, he's going to leave him with be aggressive, go out and get your Peyton Manning. And I know that's easier said than done, but yeah. man, it does feel more like I heard somebody put it this way one time, like quarterbacks in the NFL are kind of becoming more like stars in the NBA where they can sort of just dictate where they want to play. We saw Deshaun Watson try to do it before his off field stuff came up. Russell Wilson put out there the teams that he would want to play for obviously Aaron Rodgers in this whole off season deal. So I think there's a better chance the Broncos could acquire a, a really good veteran than in, in years past. And obviously you mentioned why they need to do it. Justin yeah. Herbert and, and Pat Mahomes. Those are the two main reasons why you go out and you get that veteran QB that can put you over the top. Well, and just being, you know, self-aware enough to know that you need it too, right? And not just sticking all your chips into the table on one of the two guys that you have right now. And it's been a process for them. And I know it has to just absolutely kill John Elway that there's a six foot six quarterback running around in the AFC West doing what he's doing <laughs> right now. And he's a, uh, not on the Broncos, but I do think that's something that, I mean, if they do it, changes the total complexion of this division. And then, you know, Raiders fans are like, we're sitting here with Derek Carr. All right, well, anyways, so I think that, like I talked about, you know, that's always something where I go into every game worried the worst for the Chargers. Not every weakness of theirs is going to be exploited. So, Cody, on the flip side of that, I'm sure there's things you're worried about going into this game, and probably every week you have some things that you're worried about on the Broncos. So, when you're looking at this specific matchup, what is the weakness that you would try to exploit if you were the Chargers? Well, you know, right now it depends a lot on the health of the Broncos inside linebackers. Baron Browning and Kenny Young have been named the solidified starters since the last couple of weeks, but Baron Browning's been dealing with back spasms, and then he had to leave the game against Philadelphia, and they had to throw Curtis Robinson in, who struggled. He's an undrafted rookie guy. He's the sixth or seventh guy in the depth chart, so not no, nothing against him, but he was put in a tough position, yeah. and unfortunately for the Broncos, they really struggled at stopping the run there, so I'm hoping that Baron Browning and Kenny Young can both be healthy, both be in there, but really it's just the Chargers offense because at any point they can strike that's one thing we've seen from Justin Herbert you can get them let's say your first two drives against them you you force them to go three and out or you force them to punt the football away after a long drive you know that's great and all but then all of a sudden they could get the ball back and in one play 75 yard strike to Keenan Allen Mike Williams or even Austin Eckler on a screen play you know they have so many dynamic weapons here not to mention with Parham a tight end who's in my opinion one of the biggest fastest guys outside of Darren Waller in the NFL and then you take a look at you know Keenan Allen Mike Williams, obviously, you know, you can throw the ball up to Mike Williams. He's going to come down with it. And then you factor in Eckler. I mean, and then Guyton out of the, you know, in the slot can get downfield. They just have contributions from so many guys. For me, I'm looking at that. I think that the Broncos, I I love their secondary. I love how they match up with Ronald Darby, Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson. 
I'm a little bit worried inside the nickel right now. I know Kyle Fuller more than likely is going to be there as Bryce Callahan continues to deal with an injury, and hopefully he can come back soon for that next matchup that they're going to have against the Chargers. Hopefully he'll be back by then. But looking at that, I'm worried about linebacker a little bit. I'm worried about the defensive interior who had a hard time getting a pass rush or even pressure on Jalen Hurts, and he hurt him with his legs. And so for Justin Herbert coming off of a 90-yard rushing game, these are some things I'm looking at here for the Broncos that I'm a little concerned about. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting, too, just because the you know knowledge the coaches have on each other, the Staley, Vic Fangio whole you know, part of this equation and knowing you know what the other teams like to do and how each on offense can try to exploit what they know about the other team's defensive tendencies. So I think that's going to be huge. I know Chargers fans are going to be very happy that Bryce Callahan isn't going to play in this game because he said, hey, throw it up to Mike Williams. He's going to come down with it. Not the last time they tried to do it up against Bryce Callahan in the yeah. end zone. That was a, a really great play by a much smaller nice. corner about a you know against a really really big receiver. But like I said, I mean this is a game that I don't. I mean there, I don't think there's been a game this year I felt good about the Chargers going into. I've picked them to win, sure, but like and almost every game has kind of played out. You know they've had one non one score win and it was against the Raiders on Monday Night Football. So I think we're expecting more of that this week, especially because I mean the. Broncos bring some things that the Steelers don't, you know, better rushing attack, a better defense than the, you know, version that we saw from the Steelers on Sunday night football. So a lot of things, Cody, are definitely going to have to, you know, make a huge impact on how this game ends up being decided. And we're not going to know until Sunday, but I think there's still a lot more that we're going to be able to get into in the next segment, talking about this matchup that's going to have huge implications in the playoff picture and in the AFC, because everything is so tight right now. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. Absolutely. And to kind of kick us off of that, look, it's Thanksgiving week and the other sponsor today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Chargers crossover special is our good friends over there at Built Bar. And as you've all heard, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that is out there on the market. And sure, you're going to enjoy your pie for Thanksgiving. But if you need a treat that's going to get you along when Thanksgiving is no longer here, Built Bar is the way to go. It is a built. It's a protein bar that tastes legitimately like a candy bar. The bar is covered in 100 percent milk chocolate and they have nine amazing, delicious flavors, including the occasion limited time flavor peanut butter brownies my personal favorite i know they have a wide variety of different puff flavors that they're putting out and they have the limited time flavors that you can check out at built.com not to mention they're the healthiest protein bar that is out there on the market 17 grams of protein ladies and gentlemen 130 calories and only four grams of sugar that is the best bang for your buck and i want you and your family to go get yourself a box of built bar today by going to built.com using promo code lock 15 that's going to get you 15 percent off your next order at built.com once again promo code lock 15 get you 15% off at built.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, look, we're going to get into the nitty gritty here of this game. The Broncos hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. We're joined by Daniel Wade of Lockdown Chargers and Chargers fans are hearing myself, Cody Rourke and Sarah Bettinger. Sarah, I'm going to have you kick things off here in the fourth quarter of today's crossover episode with just some more talking points about this game in specific. I know it's a little bit of early, but man, there's so many storylines we could preview. Definitely, Cody. I think one thing that I'm really looking forward to, obviously, we look through everything from the Broncos lens first and matchup lens kind of second where the Broncos are struggling, like Daniel talked about, you know, what's the area that you're really worried about this team? If I was the Chargers, I'd be kind of just sitting back waiting for the Broncos to kind of get in their own way. That's that's pretty much what they've done all season. One of the areas that I feel like they've really got to get things right coming out of the bye week, doing some self-reflecting, they've got to get their tight ends, Cody, uh, on, a, on a little bit of a roll in the red zone. I, I looked it up today. Noah Fant and Albert Okuebuna have a combined five targets inside the 10-yard line this 
this whole season. And of course, even though even though uh, Albert O missed some time on injured reserve, that's an embarrassing figure for offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. Of course, of those five targets, Cody, four catches and Daniel, I mean, three touchdowns for those two guys <laughs> combined on five targets. So four catches, three touchdowns inside the 10 and the Broncos can't seem to convert down in the red zone. They're converting at a 50% rate in terms of touchdowns. Last season with Drew Locke, with, with all the changes at the quarterback position, Brett Rippon getting in there, Kendall Hinton playing a game at the quarterback position, the Broncos were at over 53% touchdown rate in the red zone. So it's been embarrassingly bad this season in the red zone for the Denver Broncos, and I feel like they're not getting the tight ends involved enough. You've got two guys. That's their calling card. Noah Fant at Iowa. I'm pretty sure 12 out of his 19 or 20 touchdowns were inside the 10-yard line in the red zone. And then Albert O, obviously a huge strength of his. So, guys, I, I don't know how you want to vibe off that, but I feel like that's a huge area the Broncos need to emphasize coming into this game for sure. I mean, I definitely can, you know, look at this and say this is a game that they could get that right. I mean, you just look, you know, no further than the past two games for the Chargers. I mean, Pat Fryermuth didn't have a huge game against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, but he did get into the end zone, you know, four catches, 11 yards, gets the touchdown. You look to the week before that against the Vikings, Tyler Conklin, two touchdowns, right, against the Chargers. All of those came in the red zone. So that is a place for the Chargers where – they have, I mean, I feel like the tight ends haven't had crazy games against them, but the Chargers red zone defense hasn't been great either. So they've had some moments more recently where they've had some improvement there. But like even on fourth down, I mean, you can look at fourth down plays the last two weeks where the last two games for the Chargers where they had a chance to get off the field and they didn't, you know, in two of them. And then last week they also had a fourth down stop on the goal line. But last week, you know, you had a block punt that went down to the three yard line you actually get it to a fourth and goal situation which if you're the Steelers how do you even let it get to that point you have a defensive pass interference and the rest is history I mean you go back to the Vikings game it's a fourth down and goal a huge play in the game Tyler Conklin finds himself all alone in the back of the end zone he gets a touchdown so that's kind of a two for right there I mean Chargers not always being great in the red zone and not being great against tight ends in the red zone and when I think about the Chargers I look at this game and I think just, okay, yeah, the rush defense has been better. Still going to be a lot of young players out there. I mean, Limbaugh Joseph will miss this game. You're probably going to get Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington, you know, two of your top four interior defensive linemen back this week off the COVID-19 list. But one thing I would say about that is bringing Jerry Tillery back doesn't necessarily make you better against the run. I mean, honestly, I do think he's been a hindrance to the Chargers run defense this year. Even as a first-round pick, I know they want to get him out there. I'm kind of hoping that he comes in more as a situational guy in this game. I mean, now he's been out. You have an you know, excuse to work him back into things, so to speak, because what we saw last week is three guys from the practice squad come up and you know put together one of the Chargers' most impressive run defense games of the season with you know guys like Braden Fehoko and Forrest Merrill. So I think that's something that you feel better about than you would for most of the season as far as the Chargers' run defense. But, Cody, on the flip side of that, one of the things I kind of warned Charger fans earlier on in the season is how much is this secondary kind of getting away with things because the Chargers run defense is so bad, right? And that's one of the things where they were giving up so many rushing yards that you look at just the raw totals of passing yards against them and you weren't seeing anything wild. You were seeing one of the best teams in the league. But what you've seen the last couple of weeks is the Chargers secondary getting torched by Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Last week, you see them get torched by Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool to some extent. And both of those guys, you know, I mean, really against the Chargers, second, third, and fourth corners, really got whatever they want. I mean, Michael Davis was a big addition to bring back. He gives up seven out of 10 targets. 
for almost 100 yards and a touchdown. And that was the guy you give the you know, offseason extension to. So, like, that's the concerning part because I do think for the Broncos, Cody, it's like, yeah, you want to run, run, run. But at the same time, if you're looking at what the Chargers' biggest weakness has been the last couple of weeks, it's those one-on-one matchups with guys like Chris Harris Jr. getting beat, guys like Tavon Campbell getting shredded against the Vikings, guys like Michael Davis coming back and not being as good, especially because somehow, and you guys might feel this a little bit, the Chargers' rookie corner has been their best corner this year. Asante Samuel Jr. has been the Chargers' best corner. He's been their most consistent playmaker, making plays on the football. He's out this week. He just had a second concussion in the last month. Very scary situation for a very young, talented player, and the Broncos have won themselves in Patrick Sertan the second. But that's kind of the weird thing with this team is, like, obviously – the strengths and mat, you know, the matchups would like run the ball against the Chargers, but recently it's actually been the wide receivers that have been making big plays against them. Well, and that's kind of the weird dilemma that we're in here. And this obviously yeah. helped us wrap up today's episode of show. But looking at that, what you had mentioned about the Chargers secondary, when we look at the talent that the Broncos have at wide receiver, they simply just don't go downfield enough. And they yeah. only go downfield a couple of times. But Teddy Bridgewater has been highly inconsistent on passes, you know, past 10 yards. He, against the Eagles, he had two passes that traveled 10 yards or greater. That's not going to get it done in the NFL, specifically oh when you have guys like Tim Patrick, Corlin <laughs> Sutton. But it's so crazy, though, because like, what Broncos team is going to show up against the Chargers, right? Because the Broncos went on the road against the Cowboys, absolutely smacked them. Tim Patrick had a downfield bomb of 44-plus yards. He had a touchdown against Trayvon Diggs. And, and you're all of a sudden, you're wondering, like, how come the Broncos don't go downfield more? It's been this conservative. If it's third and seven, Teddy's going to throw it four yards and hope that the guy gets mm. the first down. But this is where I think that these two weaknesses for both teams – I think it becomes the glue as to like, hey, this could go either way here. Who's going to turn it into a strength in this game? And I know that's something that we're looking forward to in Broncos country. I know Chargers fans are looking forward to seeing how things go this Sunday when the Denver Broncos host the Los Angeles Chargers and Powerfield a mile high. And just a, a reminder, we want to thank all of you for tuning in to this crossover episode. Thank you for making Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Chargers your first listens of the day every single day for your respective fan bases. And we want you all to have a very happy Thanksgiving with your friends and your family. It means a lot that you listen to us talk football every single week. We can't wait for Sunday. Daniel, it was great talking with you. Sarah, great seeing you as always. Broncos country, Chargers fans, appreciate you. Look forward to interacting with all of you during the game on Sunday.